There's a saying that faith begins in the very place where our control ends. Faith begins where our control ends. If you think about it, there's no deeper desire in every human being than to become our own God, than to control our own world. And yet the essence of a creature is to say that my life is in the hands of God. And we're constantly in between these two battles in life, to go deeper in humility, to surrender my life to God, or to try to become my own God, to control my own life. Because that's what divinity is really about in our mind, having absolute control. Right? question I think we could ponder with this scripture is, is there anything in my life that I could lose that would cause me to reject my faith? Is there anything in my life that I could lose that would cause me to reject God? I knew a man once, he was a holy man, but he told me a long time ago that he used to have a meditation that he would do on a regular basis. And he would call to mind everything that he most loved. And then he would imagine himself losing one thing at a time. He would imagine if his whole body became crippled. He would imagine if his marriage fell apart. He'd imagine if he even lost his children, if he lost his home, if he lost all of his inheritance, his money. And he'd actually think about this for a long time. And he'd, he'd go to the point where he would be able to say, Lord, I would still love you were this to happen. I still believe in you if I were to lose all these things. And it's, it's even, a, it's almost a reflection of the story of Job, the man who had everything that he ever loved in life taken from him by the permissive will of God and by the active will of the devil. And something he said is so profound, even though you slay me, yet will I trust in you, O Lord. Then Job fell to the ground and worshiped God, saying, naked I came forth from my mother's womb, and naked shall I leave. The Lord is given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. In all this, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with wrong. Nor did he charge God with wrong. So what happens to our faith when the things that we most love in life are threatened? And that was the essential problem of the Pharisees in this parable that we just read. They loved their religion, the love they, the, the, they loved the law that they had received, all the traditions that had been passed down, but it ended up actually imprisoning their faith. They became so obsessed with the externals and with the systems, with everything that God had given them as a gift, that they began to close into themselves and they were no longer open to God himself coming to visit them through the very system that he had gifted them with. And that's the parable of the landover, landowner and the tenants. The temptation that the very things that we receive in life, the very gifts that are given to us, at some point along the way, become our possession without God. 
And that can happen to any person. Our religion can be a means of keeping control of what we have to the point of blocking God out when the way that he comes to us in life doesn't fit our perception of what our life should be. There's been nothing in my life in just two and a half years of priesthood that has so shocked me than the things that people suffer. I never understood how much suffering there was in the world before I became a priest. And something I've come to see often is it's in those times when people go through intense trials in life that the single temptation always comes back. What did I do wrong? At what point did I go wrong that God would punish me this way or that God would abandon me? And they say, I've, I've spent so much of my life trying to honor God, to respect him, to follow his commandments, to be faithful to him. So why is he allowing all of these tragedies to happen to me? And they become to a very definitive point in their life where they can surrender to God in the midst of their suffering, which many do, or they close in on themselves and they begin to lose faith little by little as they try to control the little bit of the life that they still can. And there's a very fascinating movie. It's probably one of the scariest movies I've ever seen um, and the most diabolical movie I've ever seen. And it's nothing supernatural about it. It's just very human. It's called Prisoners. Has anyone seen that? Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. It's a really powerful film and it's a meditation on what happens to a religious person when suffering enters into their life. And Hugh Jackman in the film, he's a, he's a carpenter, he's a patriot, he's a big family man, and he has very deep faith. He says his faith defines everything that he does. But at one point, his daughter is stolen. She's abducted. And it's a study principally on the character of Hugh Jackman, what happens to him when he loses control of his family? What happens to, how does his faith inform his perception of this incredible suffering that he has to endure? And little by little, you see how far he's willing to break his moral compass to do things he never thought he would do in life in order to gain back control of his life. So it's a really a study, because movies always look at the most acute suffering, right, as a lesson for us, because a lot of times we don't have to encounter something that tragic. But what happens to us when our family starts to fall apart? What happens when we start to suffer? What happens when the money doesn't come in? What happens to my relationship with God? My faith in His presence. Very often we have to choose between control or relationship because our relationship with God, our faith, really begins in the places where we are willing to let go of control. That's where we learn to surrender to God or we learn to fall away in self-preservation. The Pharisees, they became what Christ called whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. Because all of their faith, all of their religion was external. It's just something they did. But they weren't allowing God to really enter into their hearts. And that's why, you know who the person who's the complete opposite of the Pharisees is? 
we should always look to as the most perfect example on what it means to follow Christ. It's the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because Mary, her entire being was, let it be done to me according to your word. That's the essence of what it means to follow Jesus Christ in our faith. Let it be done to me according to your word. She could say that at the moment of the Annunciation, but she could also say that when she traveled to Bethlehem to give birth to her child in a cave. She could say that when she had to go to Egypt as a refugee. She could say that when she had to, when all the people in her town must have been judging her because she had a baby before her time was due. And she could even say that when she had to stand beneath the cross and watch her own son being crucified. Let it be done to me according to your word. The essence of our surrender is our trust that God works all things for good and not always for this world. And that's a difficult thing. But the good of this life, but the good of the salvation of our souls. The stone rejected becomes the cornerstone because so often it's the very things that fall apart in our life, the things that we reject, that we wish never took place, that becomes the very cornerstone of the edifice that ends up building upon the salvation of our souls. Surrender to God's will can only happen when I truly believe that everything that God permits to happen in my life is for the good of my salvation and the salvation of every soul that is entrusted to my care, even if it means losing in the present moment, losing my health, losing my time, losing my credibility, losing my money, losing the control of the life that I thought I had. If it's for the sake of an eternal reward, I can trust that. So the question for us is, are the things outside of my control in my life right now, the things that may be falling apart, are they taking me deeper into a spirit of control in order to protect myself from life? Or is it taking me deeper into surrender? Is it taking me deeper into an encounter with Christ coming to visit me in that very place? Suffering will either take me closer to God or further from his face. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you, O Lord. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you, O Lord. Can we all say that in our hearts? Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you, O Lord, because I know that nothing that ever takes place in my life isn't for my good if you allow it to happen. And perhaps that's why Christ comes every single time we come to Mass. How does Jesus Christ come to us? In the most fragile and weak form, in the form of bread and wine. Truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. No different than he was 2,000 years ago. Yet he comes to us in that form perhaps to inspire us into the same poverty that he himself comes to us in. I give nothing but myself. 
And I come in my weakness so that I can be united to you. So that we ourselves can come into this church week after week in the midst of whatever struggles we're going through and say, Lord, even if everything else is taken from me, no matter what I'm going through, I offer you my poverty to meet you in your poverty. And as long as you're coming to me, I don't care what form it is, just as long as we are together. That's what we pray for. Lord, you're welcome in my vineyard. You're welcome in my life. I'd rather have my life out of control with you than to be in control without you. Come into my house. Come into my life. Disrupt it. Take it back for yourself. Just as long as you come to me. And I will trust in you.